A big thank you to our sponsor, iFixit, who fights for your right to repair and makes really cool tools in the process. If you need to fix your phone, laptop, or even a vacuum, iFixit has thousands of parts, tools, and free guides. Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She's a beacon of hope in the darkest night. Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She'll teach you how to make it all alright. Hey there, hi, my name is Mercury, and I'm the trans handy ma'am. My pronouns are she, her, and I teach compassionate DIY. We're here to help renters, LGBTQIA members, and anyone who's feeling left out in a DIY space. Hey guys, gals, and non-binary pals, thank you for joining us on this wonderful episode of the Handyman Hotline. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Maggie Conrad. Hey, everybody. Yeah, Maggie. Woo. The crowd. Full stadium. Is the, yeah, that's a full stadium. <laughs> Honestly, it kind of scared me. It's like, oh, no. The crowd is too happy that Maggie is here. Maggie, one of these times I want you to know, you may hear cows and <laughs> roosters. Please and don't move at me. You may hear a train coming through, Maggie. The audience is just so obsessed with you that um, their their vocal noises change all the time now. <laughs> you might hear a rocket ship for some who all knows, you know? This is the bit that would never stop, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> How are you doing, Maggie? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I am... Excited for today's podcast. I feel like it's been so fun having somebody else like going through the voicemails and text messages and picking them for us. And yep. Basil and Ray have been doing a, an amazing job. Uh, so it's always interesting to see what they come up with. Yeah, I love it. It's for, fun. For those who are just tuning in for the first time, I'm going to answer five questions mm-hmm. that I've never heard before. So these are questions that are going to be thrown at me. I've never heard these. I haven't seen these, read these, or anything. <laughs> and I think all of these are going to be text messages that we got through our handyman hotline. Yeah, so we will be reading them. If you want to ever get information from us, the best way to do is call us and leave a voicemail at 608-205-8768. Oh, that's <laughs> 608-205-8768. Leave a voicemail, and you're more likely to be in the podcast if you do that. But a lot of people text. We might get like 30, 40 texts a week. Yeah. And we'll go through as many as we can. We try to get back to as many people as possible. But you're more likely to get your question on air if you call in. So do that if you would like to. But that being said, we're going to do our best to answer these. (laughs) And if I sound a little bit different this week, it's because I was sick for the last six days. Yeah. Just now getting back to it. Yep. After the last recording we did, I realized that I wasn't (laughs) just exhausted. I was genuinely very sick. And I spent six days after that recording uh, at home, like, I don't know I'm going to make it. (laughs) (laughs) But now I'm getting back to it and I'm hanging in there. So... Maggie, are you ready to throw some cues and I'll hit them with A's? (laughs) Yes. Good. Let's do this. We have a message from Marika from Baltimore, pronouns she, her. Hi, Handy Ma'am. I'd like to switch my bedroom ceiling light into a fan slash ceiling light. I've been told that since this involves electricity, I shouldn't do it myself. What do you think? This is a great question. I mean, my initial thought process, it all kind of depends on what kind of ceiling fan we're talking about. Some mm-hmm. ceiling fans are going to be a lot easier than others, and some aren't. I'm going to be very honest with you. 
Ceiling fans are probably one of the most difficult things to do. Mm. And you can get the ones that are called easy installs. And that means that they're all in one installments. That means that, like, the wires are a little bit more simple. But you might need to run an extra wire to it to make it operate. And it's just not necessarily an easier thing to do. Yeah, don't you need more wires? Sometimes, so not all of them, but most of the time you'd have two leads and that means you need to have two hot wires in order to operate the fan and then operate the light sometimes not it all depends but knowing what you need to look for is difficult and honestly a fan is not where i would start when it comes to any type of diy stuff like if you're a little bit newer to diy things i would not be doing a fan I would probably want to hire an electrician to install something. And to make it a little cheaper, you can buy the materials and then make sure it's an easy install. And then it would probably be a much easier thing. Even a handy person could probably do it, but electrician would be the safest bet I would go. I think whenever we're talking about these subjects is, yes, technically, you could do it. And there's going to be tutorials online that can show you the right route to go. And kind of give you more trust in yourself, right? But when we are talking about this stuff, too, it, it, it fans are difficult because they got to be balanced, right? Yeah. And it's very easy. If you don't put the mounting plate in place properly, like, for, for an example, there's a mounting plate that makes sure that it's level for you and secure. Mm-hmm. So you don't have further problems down the road, right? If you don't put the mounting place in place, you're never going to get it perfectly, you know, centered in a way where it's not going to wobble, right? You could always open up some up to, to problems. But the way you put the mounting plate is, is usually in studs. Oh, sure. But if there's not a stud available or you got to put a backer in the ceiling in order to put it there and, you know, maybe people just, sometimes I've seen people just put a block of wood there on top of the drywall and then mm. hide it underneath a plate of the fan and it's just riding off this block of wood that's riding off the drywall oh yeah oh i've seen that a lot that is like yeah i didn't i mean i I thought about the electrical wiring but i didn't even think about like the weight of the ceiling fan you know compared to a ceiling light yeah it's a little frustrating the lack of because you gotta understand too is that the lower that the fan is if the fan is one of those that has the bases and that high to the ceiling if it comes down a good amount that means it's going to naturally wiggle more too Mm. and it's farther away from i don't know what you would call this but like it's almost like a pitch like it's like it's farther away from the ceiling so therefore when it's making the momentum away from it it can easily wobble more Mm -hmm. because there's nothing there to kind of support it it means it's farther away from its actual support the farther down it is, essentially, the more you're going to naturally wobble. And the more natural wobble you have, the stronger the hold it has to have in the ceiling. So, like, the longer that, um, like, the the insert, I guess not, I don't know what you would call it. But, yeah, like, because some ceiling fans, like, come down lower yes. and have, like, a pole. For an example, Lowering gyms. it down. Gyms will often have those really yeah. long ones. We've yeah. done some work in those before. Where they will wobble like they're ready to cut your head off in a fucking <laughs> horror movie. Those like, are scary. <laughs> they can be really scary. You never notice them until you notice them. Do you right. know what I mean? Like ceiling fans are those kind of things where you never notice they're bad until you're like, oh, 
I might die today. You know, <laughs> like that's a, there's always a crutch to the ceiling yeah, fan in that yeah. route. And I I think that with especially just go back to the gym thing I was talking about a moment ago is that it was so far down. It was about three feet down right from the ceiling. That means that the box, the quad box, it's on because it's only on a quad box in most of those mm. gyms. It's not that strong of a base. It doesn't have a lot of surface area to grab onto. Mm-hmm. So if it's off balance a little bit, if one blade is pointed down a little farther than others or weighs a little bit more because of dust or some crap, then it's going to operate where one side of it's leaning heavier and moving everything around. It mm. You can buy weights for ceiling fans, and those weights are basically like magnetic Oh, yeah. things mm-hmm. that holds on there and and they're fine but you got to go to each blade mm-hmm. and then run it and then turn it off and then mark it and then put it farther down the blade or farther up the blade or move it to a different yeah. blade it's like a very it's very intricate yeah i learned about that when i was editing a book that somebody in oh fuck you that's funny <laughs> maggie's talking about my book that's coming out in august but that being said if all the things we're talking about sounds like a little much for you and exhausting don't start this project yeah okay like i i think even for me as a professional who's done it for 16 years i dread ceiling fans the ones that are the best though for my experience are the ones where you don't have to install every single blade separately Mm -hmm. the ones that just come all together almost always are easier you know, but the ones where you got have individual washers and individual screws and individual pieces and it all fits in differently. And if you miss one part, then it throws off the whole thing. And that's not even taking into account the wiring that we kind of glossed over. You know, the, the wiring itself is going to be different because the fan typically operates on a different power source than the light itself. The light will come on, and then the fan will come on. Right. So the the leads got to be split. You got to have two different leads typically. And if you have just have a regular light that only has a lead, a neutral, and a green, then you're going to need to add another lead in, or get a ceiling fan that doesn't have a light, and that's another option as well. That's my hot take. Do what you think is best for yourself, and if you want to take this on, just be mindful of all the things we talked about, and it's going to go okay. All right. Like I know we I I I don't want to paint this picture like oh you're going to cut your head off if you put it in wrong, you know. <laughs> but it is it is a taxing job and it can be a frustrating one. And I don't want you to go in thinking it's going to be rainbows and sunshine because a ceiling fan is a little bit more of a serious one. Yeah. So be realistic, but if you really want to. But if you do it, good luck and let us know how it goes. Yeah. I would love to hear a good success story when we're like, I don't know. I hope that you do well. Okay, so this is actually a question from Basil's aunt. So they gave us this question here from their lovely family member. How do I tell if my water softener is working and how much salt should I be going through? This is from Amanda in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So water softeners are one of those things where I always want to double, triple check anything Mm -hmm. before I say it because that's when you start getting into territory that can really mess people up. 
Miggy, what was the first part of that question again? Just to make sure that I got right. I, I had to do a quick Google search just to make sure I get all this info right. Yeah. How do I tell if my water softener is working? This is a great question. In Wisconsin, Maggie knows this. Who, who <laughs> She came from Austin, Texas, right? Mm-hmm. So Maggie knows this now. Everywhere in Wisconsin, we got water, water softeners, right? Like yeah. we are water softener up the wazoo here in the Midwest because our water is so naturally goddamn hard, right? A lot of calcium buildup, a lot of lime buildup. So we have a little bit harder water than other areas. So if we didn't have water softener, we never have water would never come out of the damn pipe, you know? <laughs> so that being said, how do you know when it's working? Boy, you can feel the damn difference. Mm-hmm. That right off the bat, that is like the first thing that you'll know. Okay, if you've lived in the Midwest for a long time and you go to the, the West Coast and you take a shower and you feel like, boy, you know, my hair feels different. It <laughs> doesn't feel like it's clean or, or yeah. whatnot. It might be the reasoning why, right? Mm. Like, I don't know how to describe it, Maggie. Well, I do know with water softeners, because I'm, I'm learning this from living here and having one, if you can't get a lather with your soap, then your oh, water is too hard. If you're getting great. a good lather, then you know that it's working. Yep. That's a really good look at you, you homeowner. I learned. <laughs> and how much salt should you go through in a month? I double checked this just to make sure that it was right. But typically it's a bag of salt a month, right? If you got a family of three to four people, typically a bag. It all depends what size, you know, water softener you have mm-hmm. too. You know, when I worked in property management, we would have that salt delivered to us every like week and a half or two weeks. Hmm. And you would get like four or five bags for, you know, like six units in a whole building. You know what I mean? So that sounds about right. Like one bag a month for a family of four sounds pretty decent to me. But yeah, I, I think that like don't mess with it too much. If you are getting into an area where you don't know if it's working. Always look up the the model of that water softener, find the manual, and then consult that first because it's going to be individual to every single version of hot water yeah. here. They're not all going to be universal. They're all going to operate a little bit different. And it might be different where you are, too. Like in the Midwest, it might be different than if you're in somewhere else, etc. Mm-hmm. So be mindful of all of that. And then I would say take a look at it. But If it's not working, that's when you probably want to consult a plumber at that point. There's also a setting on the display. on I've seen it on mine and on my mom's where when you first set it up and put, you know, start it and everything like that, it kind of has the default setting of how many gallons of water it can process with, you know, the salt that's in there. And I think our default was like 2,500 gallons and it should have a countdown of how many gallons are left. So my mom was like concerned that her water softener wasn't working. And she's like, it's been like two weeks. I haven't heard it go off. I don't think it's working. And then we looked at it and it still had like 2,100 gallons left to go. So like she just hadn't been using that much water. So there on the display, it, it generally would say, and you can look at your manual, how many gallons of water are left before it's going to basically regenerate. Yes. If there is a sudden, like if you're washing your clothes, and there's a sudden difference of your clothes being scratchier and stiffer. Or if you see more like calcium buildup around the faucets and there's more crusty mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. that's a sudden sign that something yeah. has changed, right? And that could be like, oh, that's not right. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then double check that. And if you open up your water softener, you'll know when it's low. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or you obviously see like if there's been a difference, but your water, your 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 salt in your water softener has that moved at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you've seen, oh yeah, my clothes are a little stiffer, and then you open it up and it's full, something happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because so, you can make it manually regenerate if you're not sure that it's regenerating, but usually it's set to go off at like two a.m. When it does need to regenerate, it goes by like how much. How many gallons you've used, obviously. And so if you don't want to wait until like two o'clock in the morning to see if it's regenerating, there is a way to force it to regenerate and see if it's then you could kind of keep an eye on it, see if it's actually working. Yeah. I hope that answered that question real good. I thought we answered that like pros. Yeah. Like maybe I feel like I actually had something to share. I literally just went through this with with my mom. Maggie (laughs) is for those who don't know, I'm not a homeowner. I'm a renter. So I've been a renter for the last I've been renters since 2006, 2007. So I've been a renter for 16 years now in tropical Madison, Wisconsin. And I don't know what it's like to be a homeowner. I lived on farms and I lived in a trailer park. And, you know, I, I've lived in, in, in a home. I've done all those things as a kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't always know the answer that other people have. I've always fixed other people's property <laughs> rather than fix my own property. So Maggie's always filling in the gaps, and I really appreciate those. I'm glad I could help. Yep. Maggie, you filled my gaps so good. Let's ask. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get to that third question, Maggie, really quickly. <laughs> I can't see. I'm laughing too hard. <laughs> okay. This is from D, uh, pronouns they, them, from Virginia. Hi, Mercury. I'm a bit of a handy queer myself. I frequently find myself in an awkward place when I'm advising someone on how to make or fix something, but I don't know their background and experience with tools. I often feel caught between not wanting to be condescending or splainy, but also not wanting to speak too broadly or overwhelm someone if it's something they know nothing about. Any advice on talking shop with folks respectfully before knowing where they are in their tool journey? Thank you for the time and love you. D in Virginia. D, this is one of the most beautiful questions. I want more people to think this way when they have this knowledge. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's healthy to view this stuff as like you're an ambassador of knowledge rather than you are a wine taster. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. okay, for someone who grew up, you know, in a poor middle class family and, you know, my family went bankrupt when I was a kid, right? So, like, when I've gone into fancy situations and someone is talking about wine, it's like I have no idea what they're talking about, but they're not interested in bringing the knowledge to me in a digestible mm-hmm. way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like they're instantly talking, talking down to me. You. Yes. And I think that this happens sometimes with terminology when we're talking about tools. If you ever watched my videos, you'll notice that I say thingamajig or I say mm-hmm. this, you know, this doohickey or I don't care about the terms and i think it takes the edge off when there is a lot less to learn around that's the actual thing you want to learn right mm-hmm. so when people when when you're talking to someone for the first time and you have no idea allow them to lead the discussion yeah. with this stuff like they're going to indicate very quickly, if they don't know something, by the terminology they're using, by the way they're describing the tools. And then you can always be like, well, you know, this is actually, I did it. Um, I did it this way. You know, I did. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's about, instead of saying you should or you could, 
You're saying, I did, or I have. You're welcoming them with the knowledge you have, but you're taking it off of them. And you're putting it on yourself and saying, I have this experience if you're willing to engage me with this knowledge. If you don't want to, I won't. You know what I mean? Like you're in a very non-aggressive way acknowledging that you do have the materials in your back pocket. But I'm not going to sit here with a wine bottle and, you know, a fancy glass and not explain to you why that glass is designed that way. You know what I mean? And those kind of things. I know I'm like throwing hot wine knowledge at people now, but (laughs) I've always felt, I think in situations, and the reason why I discuss things in the way I discuss them is I often don't feel like I know things. Mm -hmm. And as someone who's like been in these spaces, like when I came down to Madison, it was like going to a huge city for me. I grew up in a town of 387 people. When I came to Madison and I went to my first restaurant, I remember someone gave me a $250 gift card to go to a restaurant. And it was because I was I was a stage manager for a show. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to get so many meals out of this place. And I showed up and, nope, one meal that was a fancy. Wow. I did not know how fancy <laughs> it was. I was in blue jeans and a, like a beat-up shirt with my then-girlfriend. And I was so confused. I had no idea what to do. And the person just came at me with all this, like, okay, do you want this and that and all these words. And I just felt immediately like fish out of water. And I felt so dumb. Like, I was embarrassed that I didn't know anything. And a lot of those experiences have shaped how I view distilling this information. How you teach. And I think that, like, remember that about knowledge you don't know. Like, if you're great at this stuff, D. If you're really smart at tools, there's going to be something you're not great at, right? How would you want someone to talk to you about, like, biology or about, you know, um, entomology? Did I say that word right? Entomology. Did I say it right? I don't know what word. What, what is entomology? What is that? Even? I don't even know. It, just, I don't, it came to my mind. Like entomology is the study of bugs, but there's also, like, etymology, which is the <laughs> history of where words come from. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think I got those right. Maybe I mixed them up, I, but maybe that's backwards. I was thinking about Matt's shaking his head. Yeah, I was thinking about an episode from Community <laughs> that was entitled Etymology. I think, and that's why it came out. Oh, oh boy, D. What yeah, I'm trying to big say, fancy word that not a lot of people know. D. What I'm trying to say is, I'm sure there's something in your life you're not great at, and however you are spoken to that you don't like when people speak to you that way proceed with your education in a way that will make you feel comfortable about that topic, right? Mm -hmm. And that can do wonders. And then you can figure out what works best for you. Because the way I teach and the way that I offer knowledge might not be perfect to the way that you can offer that knowledge, right? But the best advice I can give is be open to people to present with what they don't know and don't assume they don't know anything, right? I always assume that people have a basic knowledge And as they're presenting me with what they know and just casually talking, they're going to reveal the things they don't know. And I can always kind of guide them in the way. But then I might, I'll write ask. I might just ask at some point, do you want a little bit of help there? You know, Mm -hmm. do you want to know what that means? Or, you know, I actually have experience with that if you would like me to help you. You know what I mean? Like those kind of things. And you're offering it up. But you always, I always say no pressure. There's no yeah. pressure. You don't need to know this. And I always like, 
I like to undercut the the thing with, yeah, I don't really need to know it. You know, <laughs> as long as you, if you want to know, you can know. But there's a lot of things in the world I don't want to know. Like how to properly load a dishwasher. People have taught me. <laughs> I've been taught by my wonderful friend, Renee Renda on TikTok like mm-hmm. five times. I've been taught by my spouse, ZZ. I've been taught by um, so many people in my life how to load a dishwasher. I still do it wrong. I still do it wrong. <laughs> you can tell me how to do a bunch of things. and I'll just naturally do what I think is right every time. Mm-hmm. And I'll forget what I was told. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're only going to teach people so much. You know, don't don't go in trying to be perfect. I used to be a teacher, and that's very similar to my style. I think that's why you and I get along so well. What? But- what would your advice be to this, Maggie? Like, as a former um, teach teacher. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like what you said in the beginning, just to let them lead the way and ask a lot of questions and really just try to fill in the gaps of their knowledge versus trying to disseminate, like, all of your knowledge, right? Like, because if you can ask questions and figure out where their gaps are, what, you know, what they may be missing, and then you can just kind of fill that in. Yeah, you're our regular Mr. Connor. Strike one! Does anyone get that reference? No one gets the Mr. Connor reference? Mr. Connor? You know what I'm talking about? Mm, I feel like I should. <laughs> no, there was that show. The John DeVulture was in the show back in the 70s. And the the teacher character. you're talking about Mr. Carter. Strike two. Is it Mr. Carter? Yeah. Oh, oh thank you, Mr. Carter. Strike yeah, three, you're I right. I think it might be Mr. Yeah, that, Carter. Okay. That sounds like it sounds familiar, but a little bit not. Oh, let's just go to the fourth question. Let's just go to the fourth one. Abort, abort. You did a great job, though. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, this is from Tanya. She, her, and she lives in Madison. Oh. Hi, Mercury. I'm by Tenny Park, and I've got a question oh. for your podcast. Okay. My bathroom sink has a little metal pull tab behind the faucet to open close the drain. That little fucker came right out <laughs> when I pulled it, and now my drain is stuck closed. Help and thanks. Tanya, you're killing me. I had to like pause for a second. Should I read this? <laughs> I, I, what, what makes me laugh about it is because there's been a lot of times in my life where I've done things like that, mm-hmm. and my instant response is, you little fucker. <laughs> okay, this is a great one. Tanya, thank you for asking this question. So that little pole tab, if you look underneath your sink, will have, typically, they're all a little different, but there'll be like this long extended rod that is then connected to another rod that is then connected to the stopper inside your sink. I have a videos on this on TikTok if you need to have like an extra visual. If you go to my how-to playlist, there's an actual sink stopper video in my how-to playlist. Or just type in sink stopper Mercury Stardust and you should pull it right up on, on TikTok or Instagram. But that being said, you can look it up and see that there's this tab that's going down into underneath the sink. And then there's another one that's attached to it that has a whole bunch of eye holes yeah. in there. Yep. And the eye holes are like going to, you're going to put the rod right through the eye hole somewhere, right? The tab sometimes has eye holes on it. It might all depends on what angle it is. I'm going to just assume the tab that you have does not have any eye holes in it. And that one is going into another one that has eye holes. And there's a little screw that you tighten it up. And then there's another rod that comes out mm-hmm. from underneath the sink assembly into the eye hole. Am I right, Maggie? Um, yes. Am I explaining this it's, in a way that works? It's hard to explain, but you're okay. doing a good job. It's kind of okay. like a pulley system, but instead of like, you know, the wheels, it's just, it's just rods attached to each other okay. and they all 
I'm gonna, move together. I'm going to explain this in a different route. <laughs> I'm going to explain this in a different route. Okay, this is what I'm going to use. But I, I um, want everybody to know that she's been using her hands to I'm, very delicately yeah. demonstrate the, okay. the length and shape of these things. We are going to say <laughs> the the tab is a pencil. Okay, is a pen. It's a pen. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm looking at both my sound engineer Matthew and Maggie right now for guidance. Okay, <laughs> the pen is the tab that Tanya pulled out. Okay, mm-hmm. and then she's putting the pen down through the hole, and she's putting the cap on it. Okay, mm. now on that cap, there's a hole, and you got to get a rod through that hole. Now, when you pull the pen up right, that rod is going to go up and down. That is the mechanism that then causes the stopper to go up and down because that rod is attached to the hole underneath the sink stopper. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? That I, the pen and the cap helps me visualize it. Yeah, more. because yeah. yes, because I know what they look like. Yes, right, and I think that more closely matches. Yeah, this is why doing a podcast about this subject matter is <laughs> like Jesus so Christ, it's so hard. <laughs> Gotta find the right words. <laughs> but um, Tanya, okay, so this little fucker, all right, <laughs> is the pen that you pull right out, and the cap underneath there is probably still attached to the system. Mm-hmm. You might only got to put the pen back through the hole, essentially, Tanya, and then put the cap back on and then tighten the screw. And you might have to change the height of it because unlike a regular pen cap, this pen cap is hollow and it has no like actual top to it. It can go all the way up and then go mm-hmm. all the way down on your pen. So you'll have to find a right sweet spot to make the mechanism do what it's want. If that does not work, another problem that may have happened is the rod that's in the hole inside of the sink assembly is out and not in the hole anymore of the the stopper. Because stoppers will have a hole in the bottom of them Mm -hmm. that a rod goes through, right? And once again, if you look up, you know, sink assembly stopper mechanism on Google, you'll get a whole diagram of what this looks like. Mm-hmm. And hopefully anything I just said makes sense. <laughs> I feel like I was trying to paint a picture in someone's mind. Yeah, exactly. And I I don't know if I I, I did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, guys? Do you think I did a good I job? I mean, I think your words matched the picture in my head. I, okay. You know, especially the second time around, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think that... Uh, <laughs> the it's, second... There's just a lot of moving parts, and you just want to make sure all the parts it, are connected again. And they're not all the same, but now that you said it, it's one, two, three, four. There's four moving parts. Yeah. So you have, like, you know, again, the the the, the little tab... Going into another mechanism, which goes into another mechanism, which yeah. then pushes the stopper, the stopper. up. Yeah. And the stopper sometimes will have one hole, sometimes will have three holes. And it's all about adjusting it. And I got to tell you, this is kind of like that stupid fan that we talked about earlier in the episode. How there's a lot of moving parts in there. And the more moving parts you have, the more headache you have. Mm-hmm. Get yourself a good pillow and put it on the rim of the cabinet like the sink cabinet that you're you're on and get another pillow like old pillows or old blankets and use them to comfort you when you're on your back looking up Mm, because that ridge of where that stupid cabinet is i always kept i actually have an old pillow that i had down here in the shop right now because i've used that pillow in so many jobs i would put it in the back of my car when i would go to jobs 
and would grab this beat ass, ugly ass, you know, <laughs> dank pillow. So you can lay on your back yeah. under the sink. <laughs> and that would go right where the the opening of the cabinet is, mm-hmm. right there. So when I'm laying in my back, it's like a little more of a soft cushion on From my that spine. Lip between the bottom of the yes. cabinet and the and floor. And then I put another blanket right on my head. And then I try to prop myself. You can actually get, right when I was leaving the company, they bought an actual cabinet bed or oh, a cabinet layer or whatever they're calling it that mm-hmm. you can actually insert and make it easier on your back. But for the most part, I just use blankets and pillows. But it does make that job harder. It does. <laughs> like looking underneath the sink like that. But lying on your back is the best solution. Wear safety glasses too because you'll have things oh, yep, falling. falling on your eyes and stuff too. Goggles are almost always better. And uh, protect you a little bit. When you're underneath a sink, goggles are the way to go. I Goggles are underrated when it comes to PPE. Yeah. Like, I love glasses, but when you're working with, like, sawdust or working with, you know, sink stuff, I, I just do goggles. Because you, you'll get stuff that comes in a corner and then it'll hit the inside of the glasses and go right back in your eye. Oh, so, no. <laughs> anyways. Okay, cool. I think I answered number four, right? That was great. Yeah. I did a very good job. Very good. Painting those pictures with your words. I'm a, you know what? I, it's like a movie in your mind. (laughs) Matt, this is where you add a sound effect of like fun stuff. And it's like a movie in your mind. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Too much fun. Too much fun with sound in your ears. I hope whatever Matt just did sounded really good. (laughs) Or Matt didn't do anything. He's shaking his head. He's like, no, I procrastinated. No, that's all on you. I procrastinated and waited too long. We didn't do anything with that. (laughs) Okay. Final question is from B. She, her, also in Madison. Oh. Greetings, Handyman Hotline. My phone corrected hotline to holiness, and I questioned keeping it. (laughs) (laughs) that's adorable how do i clean the cracks between my stove and my counter there's about an inch gap on each side and i'm afraid to move my stove electric range since i don't know what's going on back there thank you b you know this is a really good question and they actually make fillers oh mm -hmm. they make fillers what are they called mickey do you know what i'm talking about Oh. They make those little crack fillers between the range and the cabinet. Now, you got to make sure they're, like, heat-resistant and safe, though. I I think I've heard Renee from... It's a stove gap filler. Stove gap filler? Mm-hmm. I think I've heard Renee talk shit about these. I don't know for sure. But I'm almost positive Renda has a video or something on this as gap filler. But how do you clean that? Honestly, I don't know a great solution other than preventing it from happening. Mm-hmm. And then if it's all about getting crusties, I don't know, Maggie, is there a solution as as a homeowner that I you mean, would throw at me? would you say that you would feel safe moving it? Because I know that she said she doesn't, but honestly that would be my go-to is going ahead and pulling it out a little bit because there's usually, in my experience, there's wiggle room behind there with all the connectors. You just got to go slow. It depends on what kind of oven you got and how much room you have in your your actual kitchen. Sometimes your your damn kitchens are designed Mm. so damn tight that Mm -hmm. it is like every time you move it, talk about renovating your kitchen, you know? (laughs) But, yeah, theoretically, you should be just fine to move it. And then I would say correct the ship. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if you can move everything, get a nice, good, deep clean, something that makes you feel comfortable, 
and it makes you feel like, oh, my space is mine now again. And then put the gap filler in. I think that's the way to go. I really, the more I say gap filler, the more I'm like, I think Renee is really against these for some reason. As mm, a, she's a, an appliance technician. And I believe, yeah, want to look this up for me, Maggie? Put in gap filler Renda on TikTok and just see if Renda has any good suggestions. I can also message her and she might message me back too. But that being said, I would try a gap filler, though, and make sure that it is heat resistant and oven safe. And it should be okay in theory, you know? Yeah, I don't think she has a video okay. on that right now. Yeah, I, I think that those kind of things helps a lot. I like those filler. The gap fillers for my car have been a game changer, too. You know how, like, right next to your seatbelt lock, you have mm-hmm. a gap? I got yeah. a gap fillers. Really? Changed my life forever. Nice. I got I got my uh my recliner at home for my couch, right? Got mm-hmm. gap fillers for that. Game changer. Get yourself a you know what? <laughs> Every time there's a gap in your life, you fill it. You fill, fill it with something. Gap. Yeah. You see a gap, you use cock, you fill that hole. You have another <laughs> you see you see another gap in your life, you go get yourself a spongy weird noodle and you put that spongy real real noodle right in that slot and you fill it tight. Wow, are we talking about the same thing anymore? I don't know. I just think it's funny because that's the second time we've used that phrase in a in an answer in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and it, 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 I don't know. My brain goes to also not very uh, PG places. You know, I love that. Fill a, that gap. A few months ago, a few months ago, when Maggie and I said, hey, let's do a podcast together. I told her, you know, I really want to keep this PG so the kids yeah. can listen to it. I was it. like, is this going to be explicit? And instantly, instantly, the third or fourth episode, I was like, oh, that fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, did, it took no time at all. For us to get a little bit of dirty, um, a little bit, of, a little bit of—it's just who you are. A little bit of spicy, yeah, it is true. Everyone always likes to relate to me to to Mister Rogers of Bob Ross, and I'm like, yeah, with if, a mouth, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if if Bob Ross felt comfortable talking about a butthole in the first five seconds His of an episode, his favorite word was penis, yeah. Okay, for the sorry, for the I'm audience sorry, who does not know, sometimes my my laugh is very loud. Yeah. So when we try to get levels for my laugh, often <laughs> when we're doing you know live events or the podcast, Maggie will need me to laugh, and I can always get myself to laugh if I just say penis. <laughs> it works every time, and it's always like my prep. It's like. <sighs> <clears throat> Penis. <laughs> it makes me laugh. It's so funny. I forgot what the question was. I don't know. Did we answer the we question? We filled that gap. We filled of the, all. We filled that gap of knowledge, Maggie. Way to come back full circle. We answered all five questions, and all I think we answered at least three of them well. Uh, <laughs> And some more that people didn't want to know the answer to. You know, to. <laughs> I think it's important to always acknowledge this. We're learning all the time, no matter how smart you are, no matter how smart you think you are. There's always more things we can fill our brain of gap knowledge. Uh, <laughs> but all of that being said, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please call in with your questions or your text messages or your voice messages for any questions, concerns, or pet peeves you might have. Call us at 608-205-8768. 
That's 608-205-8768. And we're here in tropical Madison, Wisconsin, answering all your DIY needs. If you would like to also support us in all the ways, we have a wonderful Patreon. And you can support us on Patreon and listen to another extra part of this episode. And it was definitely not filmed four to five minutes before we did this episode. Uh, <laughs> but it's a usually 30 to 40 minutes extra yeah. every single week. It's a great way to fill those eel, whores, eel ear holes with more mercury mouth. <laughs> that, this is definitely a spicy episode, guys. I don't know. I'm instantly Your recurring. ear holes with mercury mouth. You know what mouth. this is? This is being cooped up in my home for six oh, days yeah. and having no interactions yeah. with humans and then instantly being allowed to talk in a microphone and being like, hey, guys, let's talk about dirty things, you know? <laughs> like, this is the most teenage kid version of me that you can get. But that all being said, you can also follow me on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. They've learned all your DIY things from me, the trans handy ma'am. And thank you as always for supporting us. And as always, remember that you're worth the time it takes to learn a new skill. Take care. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode of the Handyman Hotline, you can listen to an even longer version by supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon, $10 or more, you'll be able to get an extra long 30 to 45 minute section every single week. Isn't that amazing? More of me and Maggie. Wow. So thank you so much for all those who already support us. And you, too, can support us and listen to more on our Patreon. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us keep the pirate ship alive by supporting our sponsors, the wonderful iFixit. They fight for your right to repair and makes really cool tools in the process. If you need to fix your phone, laptop, or even a vacuum, iFixit has thousands of parts, tools, and free guides to make your life a little bit easier. So grab your hammer and nails and paint your nails if you want to. You're worth the time.